when you're in tough times, you need to kind of learn this balance of this is my life and I get to create it and I get to decide how much work that I'm putting into it. But I also need the support of someone, of the, my community, of someone close to me. This isn't just all me. It can become a really lonely place if you think like that, as well as you're probably not going to get where you want to go without that support. Other people see things that you don't see. And so having people around you that you can really trust is super important when it comes down to it because they are going to look out for you. and welcome to Gumption's 27th episode, Rediscovering Your Individuality and Tips for Aspiring Podcasters. I'm your host, Lily, Lil for sure, and this week's episode is very special because not only is our guest somebody that I reconnected with who I've known for a very long time since high school, but also it's kind of a hybrid topic, which is a little rare for us. So we talk about one thing that's a little more vulnerable and deep, and then we also are going to dive into the world of podcasting because she is also a podcaster and just share some insights and tips that we wish we knew when we started into this. And hopefully it'll be helpful to all those aspiring podcasters out there. I definitely think at some point I will do a full-blown episode on podcasting and how my process works because it's something that I had to do a lot of research to find out all the nuances and intricacies of it. And there's lots of different approaches to podcasting. So I've had some of my listeners who are interested in starting their own shows reach out to me and just ask me where to begin. And I think these are some good entry points, but they're also just the beginning. So I could really go into a lot more depth of what resources I used and what was really helpful to me. And ultimately, like how I stayed authentic with it, because I think there's a lot of templates out there that people can follow, but those might not all be super resonant with every single person. And finally, I have a fun little anecdote that I'm going to share mid-episode that relates to our first topic, which is rediscovering your individuality, especially after being really super involved in a competitive sport growing up and throughout your whole adolescence. I recorded this episode with Mora the weekend before this anecdote took place, so it's kind of exciting that in real time I'm like revisiting this sport. Without further hullabaloo from me, I think we should just get into it. So welcome to Gumption, Miss Mora McCune. Welcome, Mora. Good morning. Hi, Lily. How are you? I am good. I'm happy <laughs> we have some sunshine coming in from this window, yeah. even though it's five degrees here this morning in Cleveland. <laughs> Brutal. Everyone considers it freezing in Arizona right now, but it's only 45. Thanks for having me today. It is 7 a.m. on my time. So sorry, everyone. I have a very soft morning voice right now, but honestly, enjoy it because if it's not this, then it's pretty loud and aggressive. It'll be a little different sounding episode in a good way and hopefully a little more calming than some of my other loud, <laughs> loud ASMR. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> no, but we were just saying off camera that this is the earliest in the day recording I've ever done for Gumption. And I hope you all know that, like Maura said, it's 7 a.m. there. So she's dedicated to being on the show. <laughs> start off the day right with a, a good inspiring interview I know I'm stoked about starting my day with a good conversation no one wants to talk this early in the morning so <laughs> that is I wanted to share a little bit about how we reconnected because I feel like one of my pride and joys is having people on gumption that I just met or that I've known for a long time like kind of everyone that comes on the show has a different story of how they've either known me or connected with me or the show. Maura and I went to high school together. It really does seem like yesterday. And I love to see what people I know are doing when everyone splits their different ways and goes to different states for college and is just like living their best life. And I'm cheering them on from afar. I would say that's been our relationship kind of in recent years. We weren't talking on a regular basis, but when I saw that you had started your podcast, I reached back out because I was very inspired. And now here we are 
I'm going to be on your show. You're going to be on mine and <laughs> learning about what's been going on in each other's lives since we last saw each other. Before we started recording, Lily and I kind of touched base and we really connect on the fact that we're huge creatives. I think that we always saw each other floating around and really appreciated yeah. each other's presence, but we never got or created the opportunity to say hi, I guess. But, you know, we were both just like the very blonde, smiley girls who love to create things for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we've reconnected and it's been so nice. What's really cool is I think a lot of people at our high school are really cool and really talented and smart. So I agree. It's been super cool watching everyone, even from a distance, grow into like their own person and do their own thing. And I'm super grateful that we reconnected. Our high school was unique because it had such a strong hockey program. And I would be interested in hearing your experience with that. I dormed at Gilmore for all four okay. years. I went there That's for the hockey program. Yeah, precursor. I was born in Northern California. I was raised in Northern California. My family has always lived in California. And when I was 13, I went off to boarding school. And when I tell people, I'm like, oh, yeah, I went to boarding school. They're like, what'd you do? You know, like, <laughs> what what type of kid were you? And I'm like, actually, I was just good at my sport, ice hockey. And in California, there wasn't hockey. It was competitive. Gilmore School is really great when it comes to academics and honestly learning core values of life yeah. it's a lot more than just academics when it comes to that school and so it was just a great opportunity all around and using sports as a segue to get anywhere in life is really cool and for the most part always beneficial and so I used ice hockey to didn't use <laughs> I didn't use you ice hockey I swear but sorry um, intimate relationship I have with that sport. It's not an experience that a lot of people have. Your life is somewhere else from your home and both those parts of your life are valid, but it's so weird to have them separate and, and different. I definitely struggled with that in college, going somewhere six hours away from home. And that was the first time in my life that I'd ever really been saying my home was Cleveland and also Philadelphia. So I just yeah. admire it. I think it takes a certain type of mentally strong person to do that in the high school years when everyone is still super immature <laughs> it taught me so much and I experienced so much through it that I don't even realize till this day but making that transition to college was almost weird because you did experience that vibe already that people are already in shock by and you have a different mindset and it's a good mindset but people don't understand it and you're kind of like why do I have a different perspective on this I am <laughs> interested in hearing a little bit more about your journey with ice hockey because as someone who also grew up in a very intense sport very passionate about it and wanted it to be my whole life at that time it's so fascinating to see how that like shapes your worldview especially as a young person just still trying to figure out like what you want and all the experiences that you want to have so I kind of want to start there how you got into ice hockey and and what you loved about it when you were really in the thick of it because I think that'll lead us into our next topic pretty well lovely yeah so I would say that <laughs> it's more of a lifestyle no <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was. I definitely made it my whole entire life and almost my whole entire personality due to the fact that I literally left home and went all the way across the country to fulfill whatever dream I had about it. What really kept me grounded as a human, you know, I'm more than hockey type of situation was the fact that I had that home base, that Northern California home base. You'll meet a lot of hockey kids where they grew up in a hockey community. A lot of their friends, their close friends, are just hockey people. Where for me, I grew up in Northern California and like none of my friends that I went to school with even knew hockey or were like, what? Like, that's so crazy that you play that sport. I've never even seen a live game for years, like my whole life. And all these kids were very creative and unique in their very west coast california way and so having that around me especially when i went home from 
Cleveland after playing hockey for six days straight, months on end, was super grounding. It's cool to enrich yourself in things that you're interested in or things that you're passionate about. In fact, it's necessary. The key point that I've learned through that situation is that it's really good to explore other environments. Also, try to take it all in because you'll learn so much about not only the world, but yourself and what you're interested in. And you'll come to find that the world is so much bigger and a lot more fun than you could ever imagine. Also a little bit more tough, tougher than you could ever imagine. But, but yeah, so I was really in the sport. While you are going to a boarding school, you live with your teammates, you go to school with your teammates, and then after school you play and you work out with your teammates for three to four hours, and then you go back home and you're studying with your teammates. And so hockey definitely was like who I was. And I was okay with that. I was very happy with that. Uh, everyone knows that when you're competing for a college spot, it can be a really tough mental state. And yeah. um, if you don't know how to navigate that properly or have the right support to help you navigate that properly, it can be a character building moment. We'll call it that. Not that I didn't. I had so much support. But <laughs> when you're in tough times, you need to kind of learn this balance of this is my life and I get to create it and I get to decide how much work that I'm putting into it. But I also need the support of someone, of the, my community, of someone close to me. This isn't just all me. It can become a really lonely place if you think like that, as well as you're probably not going to get where you want to go without that support. Other people see things that you don't see. And so having people around you that you can really trust is super important when it comes down to it, because they are going to look out for you. But I mean, I guess this is more into your adult years because it's hard to say like as a high school kid to be knowing these things. I'm telling you from a from already living it, you know, in high school, it's hard to have a good head on your shoulders sometimes. But yeah, just having a good support system was key. I went off into college and I've never really talked about this. And I think it's because it's like kind of an ego thing for sure. But one thing that I really embrace and is a core value of mine is you know, being transparent and owning your story because I'm super happy with who I am today. So anyway, I always had this huge athletic dream to play D1 hockey. Like I want to play a D1 yeah. sport. I've always had the Olympic dream. I'd always go to the national camps. A lot of people that I was surrounding myself with in the sport were going division one and such. But in my junior year of high school, I ended up tearing all the ligaments in my right ankle, which is like a huge oh recruiting year. And so I was out for most of the season my junior year of high school. And I'm definitely not going to blame it on that. But I felt like that played a pivotal role in me not pursuing that D1 hockey spot or not being able to secure that spot. And so I ended up playing Division Three at a little school in upstate New York. I was excited about it going into it and I wanted to put my all into it. It was a really good hockey program. They were really good for being division three but I went there and I just was completely like like my body was just like please god no like get us out of here like it was just restricting it everything about it I'm in upstate New York and everyone's like so you're from California what are you doing here why did you decide to come here and so immediately everyone was like you're out of place you know people were yeah. pointing that out to me and then my teammates, I would say a lot of them weren't super welcoming, but I would say that might just be the, the tough mental state of hockey players. But I did feel like a lot of other people were more welcome than me. I think they didn't like my West Coast mindset a little bit. And then also I already experienced the dorms. And so I had this different mindset about things. So already I wasn't very clicking with the freshman girls. I was more clicking with the older girls they didn't like that very much and so I was having issues with my teammates which I never have had issues really with my teammates I was in a long distance relationship with my boyfriend at the time and now my ex-boyfriend but that was also 
a huge challenge and I wasn't playing as well as I thought I would. I was extremely unhappy and crying all the time. And that's very much not in my characteristic. And so then I went home for COVID. And again, I got that grounding experience of being around Northern California people and my family. And I came to this realization of like, I am so dependent on this sport for my self-worth the people around it telling me that I'm doing good. Getting playing time is determining whether I feel like I'm worthy enough. And if I don't do a good practice, then I mentally punish myself. So that whole year I was focusing really on all these quote unquote weaknesses that other people saw. And these people were people that clearly didn't even understand me from the second I got there. That was a huge self-awareness moment. I think we all felt some type of self-awareness when we retracted during COVID. But yes, for sure. Right. And so about two weeks before I was supposed to go back to New York, I decided to enroll into Arizona State University. I knew it was right because my parents, who have always supported my dreams and financially supported my ice hockey and all of that, were like, yes, do it. You know, they were very much like, it is clear to anyone that you are extremely unhappy in that environment. And Then I got to step away from being in ice hockey and it was this super sublime moment almost. Um, A lot of the people in the hockey community that I was close to were like, whoa, like what the heck? She just stopped. And it was just a huge shock for a lot of people. And for for me, I was kind of just doing it. I wasn't looking back. I was just moving forward. This feels right. And I just need to go after what I want. It felt like I spent a year or two just chasing what other people were telling me to chase because I was already locked into that for my whole life. And so stepping out and being like, oh, I actually have full control over what I'm doing and who I want to be now. And it wasn't so much like, oh my God, all these people are forcing me to be this and do this. It was more just like, that's what they wanted for me. I didn't know how to distinguish that difference. So yeah, then I went to Arizona State and I partied my butt off. No, I'm just kidding. But I did. Um, (laughs) As you should. um, I mean, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I fell into my creative groove a lot more. Like, I've always been a very creative person, but I didn't have the space for it. And so I was given that space to study a really cool major in nutrition that I was interested in that my other school didn't offer. I really went into myself and focused on myself internally because I hadn't done that in a while finally stepping out of the team environment and um, being able to focus on myself and kind of understand what I needed and wanted um, for the first time in a bit also I graduated this past May so now I'm I'm living life in a beautiful home with beautiful people and doing things that I love so that's where I'm at right now congratulations on the graduation (laughs) I, I just love that you shared that whole journey with us because while relatable as it was to me, having also been in a similar situation with dance, I just think it really speaks to what you can visualize for yourself in any given environment. And like you said, in your hockey environment, you saw a future as a D1 athlete, maybe an Olympian. And that was what people were seeing in you from the talent and the hard work that you were putting in. But you're kind of pigeonholed when you're in such a competitive world like that, because even thinking about other possibilities is almost not discouraged, but like could distract you from the work that you're currently doing to have that external validation of maybe feelings you were already having of like, I don't know, I'm questioning this. I'm not sure if this is what I want to do. And then to have people confirming it by saying you're out of place here almost gives you permission to explore those other thoughts about, well, what if I did this? Or what if I went to school here? And sometimes you need that because you can't necessarily come to the conclusion yourself when you're just so in it to winning. It was definitely a weird thing too, because it wasn't so much like, what are you doing here? You know, like, sweetie, like, what are you doing here? It's more like, what are you doing here? Yeah. (laughs) I felt like I was bullied quite a bit in my freshman year of college. (laughs) So that's for therapy, but... (laughs) (laughs) no but I mean the fact that you're able to so calmly recollect that now is very impressive I think back about things that happened with different experiences I had in dance and it still like brings up a lot of emotion and feeling because it was such a pivotal 
time in life. I'm so like proud of you, even though I wasn't close with you at the time for just making that choice because you're clearly very happy and established in the life <laughs> that you you've built for yourself. So that's impressive. Okay, I really appreciate hearing that. I was going to circle back to something you said about how you felt like your self-worth was dependent on hockey, because I think a lot of people relate to that. I personally relate to that with dance. Dance was my main sport all through my childhood and my teenage years and college as well. It's so crazy how it gets tied up in the way you view yourself and your worth, how that validation from whether it's a coach or a teacher or even a peer who's kind of respected within that community can either really build you up or tear you down to nothing. It's so easy to get in a rut just based on one comment or one look that somebody just throws at you carelessly. And then it becomes internalized and really, really affects you. The, the self-worth was definitely an interesting thing because it quickly teaches you external validation and it's not just within sports it's honestly everywhere as you grow up you start to realize that you're always looking for this external validation and you don't need that and you're gonna be so much happier without that and learning the balance between taking in people's opinions that you trust and you know really see you as who you are seeing the difference between that and advice from people that you don't want to be don't take advice from people that you don't trust or, you know, mean people. <laughs> but right. you don't need other people's opinions. And that's what it taught me. The thing about hockey and just playing a sport in general, you learn how you take control over that or like take back your power from quote unquote quitting or stepping away from the sport because it's kind of looked down upon to step away from such a competitive sport that you've been doing for so long. If you're able to take everything that you've learned in that sport and bring it into your real life, into your career, into your individualistic life, is where you gain back that power. One thing I wanted to dive more into was you were talking about how when you've been working so hard towards something and you step away, it kind of has to come internally, but also how you deal with those external reactions of people who maybe really envisioned or wanted that for you. I just felt that was very poignant because part of it is how do you balance honoring your past self and all the work you've put into one particular discipline, but then also making room for a future self that maybe wants to do something else. That's a tricky thing to navigate. That's never something that gets easier. I made sure that I was still watering the plants of my other relationships outside of hockey and having outside relationships that had nothing to do with hockey. I live with people right now that didn't play hockey and had nothing to do with hockey, but they went to our high school and they enriched my life so much. That's a, why I pointed out having those different environments because if there's one thing that's constant about life is that it's always changing. You can't stay stagnant in one environment. Making sure that you're continuously nourishing other places of your life other than just that one that you really are focusing on, the one that you're really passionate about and want to grow on. Because whatever it may be, life is bigger than that. Life is really just about loving and accepting and growing. And whatever you may be doing, you don't need that in order to become your truest and happiest self. Although I'm all about having passion and goals for something, that's not what life is all about. And I think that that's a big lesson that I learned. I really, really like the way you use the watering the plants analogy because it is so true that other areas of your life are allowed to grow while you're working towards one really prominent goal. I think a lot of people, myself included, at different periods in my life have like made the mistake of just, I guess, putting all your eggs in one basket and, and not thinking about like whether it's relationships, friends, family, or just other hobbies and things you enjoy doing. When you put all your hopes and your hard work into one thing, then those other things do wither away and you have to work even harder to build them back. I don't want anyone to think it's hopeless if you do find yourself in that situation because I think it's very possible to turn your attention back to those things and re-nourish them, but 
it sounds to me a lot better of an approach to be nourishing them all along. And then you have your whole little garden going on. Um, a big thing that I have been saying in my life as of recently is space. Like, I have the space for this. I don't have the space for this. Although I say water your plants, it can be much easier said rather than done, especially when it comes to the type of relationships. <laughs> Not being scared to like go back and fertilize some plants that you haven't seen in a while. There are so many friends that I have re-nourished our relationship from like just because I was at a point in my life where I wasn't able to have the space for those type of relationships. I was yeah. really having to focus in on doing this and I didn't burn those bridges. You don't have to say like I'm not hanging out with you anymore because of this. People are going to notice that you are doing other things and that's okay and you having the courage and heart to come back or to refurbish those relationships and be like, hey, I like, just want to reach out. Maybe not I miss you because I think one of my biggest pet peeves is, you know, like there's people on Instagram or something that would be like, <laughs> comment like, oh my God, I miss you. Or like Snapchat and memory, like, I miss you. It's like, do you miss me? You never call me. You don't text me. Like, you're so maybe... real for that because I totally agree. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> Like, or it's like, it's if you cute. miss me, let's hang out, I guess. Or like, yeah. let's go on a trip and meet up halfway. Like, no, it's, yeah. I feel that. Life has become quite real when it comes to that because I have had friends that say, I miss you. And then actually take that step or ask me to take the step. I just backpacked Europe for three months. And right before it, I ended up going to the East Coast and traveling along the northern east coast visiting a bunch of old friends of mine because we're always wow. like I miss you let's do something about it and I had the time and space to go out there and see them we collaborate on that and made it happen and that's such an awesome feeling I definitely make a priority in my life to make sure my friends feel that I care about them and that I want to see them and I'm more than a I miss you text that's huge to me I even there's a couple of friends that we write letters, we pen pal each other. And that yes, is a huge thing. It's super easy. Like you don't need to be calling or texting each other. It's like once every two weeks, you get an awesome letter. I have so many letters that I keep and I cherish so much from our relationship. And so do they. So there's just like little ways around it that you can water those plants without like making it a phone call every day. Like you don't need to yeah. be doing that. Yeah. No, I love that you brought up the pen pal thing because I also write letters to a few of my friends and I have found it to be so wonderful for the relationship at least where we are right now in our lives because you're very right that a phone call even well intended can feel kind of intrusive when everyone has a busy schedule and people live in different places with different time zones it's really hard to pin someone down and like sometimes you don't want to pin someone down to talk to you you right. want it to be fun and enjoyable for both parties so the and fact impactful that, I think that letters yes. are really impactful yeah yeah and like you said having them to cherish and keep I mean that's definitely something we don't get in this digital age we're always able to text or or call or FaceTime or whatever those texts just disappear into your phone storage and then you never like think about them again really so having that almost as a keepsake is really special and I love that you brought that up because I'm trying to bring back snail mail. I mean, mail things, write things person. I had Not so much fun. One. and I had so much fun in Europe this summer. I sent so many postcards. There was one person that I sent them like 10 postcards and they ended up not getting any of them and that broke oh. my heart, but that's okay. Oh my God, I would <laughs> cry probably. I was wow. going to surprise them. I didn't communicate with them about like sending them all because I kind of sent them all at once. Weeks had gone by months and I was like, hey like did you get those and they're like I actually moved and I was like oh no <laughs> I know I was like that is so sad oh wow well somebody got those postcards and maybe they were like wow I don't know this person but she sent me a lot of postcards yeah Croatia and, Pro and Portugal with these crazy cool stories on them like that person oh. better make a little book out of my stuff for those of you like Maura and I who are looking to up your pen pal game, do I have an exciting proposition for you. I'm a huge believer that having cool writing utensils just makes your handwriting look more beautiful and it's also an incentive to like write neater, especially for me who's a messy near cursive scribbler. So lucky for you, Castle Arts is running a really good deal right now where you can get 100 gel pens. 
These are all different colors, pretty much every color you can imagine, including glitter, metallic, neon, pastel, and swirl for $39.99, including a gel pens tutorial booklet, which tells you how to properly blend and contrast all the colors. Now, these are fine art grade gel pens, so I really think they would just upgrade your pen pal experience. You can get your own set through the link in this episode description or through our story highlights on Instagram. Okay guys, it is time for a little full circle story moment. So as I mentioned earlier, Maura and I recorded this episode on MLK Day on the 15th and then the next day I went to the first dance class I had been to since 2019. So four years ago was the last dance class that I took And for those of you who know me, you knew that I grew up dancing since the age of two, literally. Uh, Dance was my sport. It was my lifestyle. It was my passion. I absolutely was in love with it. And I'm really, really thankful for all the friends and experiences I had throughout my years of dancing. I ended up stopping in college because there was just a lot going on. And with the pandemic, it was kind of hard to keep up with, in all honesty. So... Recently, I've been feeling that I really missed the sport and I wanted to get back into it. But knowing that like my technique and my flexibility are going to be, you know, needing some work at this point as a 24 year old who has taken four years off, I wasn't really sure where to start. So last week's guest, Savannah Cargill from episode 26 of Gumption, she also used to dance and has been wanting to get back into it recently. And we decided together to go to a dance class in Cleveland. We tried out Cleveland Dance Project and absolutely loved it. It's an all adult group of dancers and you can either join their company or you can drop in for classes, which is what we did. And you'd be surprised how hard it is to find a class that you can just literally sign up the day before and show up. I think that's one of the things that really held me back from getting back into dance is because A, I didn't know where to go. Like I didn't have a home studio that had adult classes and B, it's just hard to find something that's a one week or less commitment. So we tried out a heels class, which for those of you who aren't familiar with dance, it's like a more adult version of jazz or musical theater. It's just a little bit more like sassy and sexy and that's kind of the vibe. So it's usually popular music that you're dancing to and it's really fun. It's a great way to foray back into the industry if you either have no experience or you're returning to it after a long time because... Given the nature of dancing in heels, it's not super technical right off the bat, which I loved. And we had such a great experience. We were both so nervous going into it, but really just kind of like forced ourselves to get out there and do it. And it was a great class. Ironically, the teacher is actually someone that I took class from 10 years ago when I was at a ballet conservatory. So it was crazy to reconnect with her, but really just like huge confidence booster. A, that we showed up and B, that we honestly killed it like if you want to see the combo just go to my instagram i posted it on my story and it's saved in my highlights but we had such a great time and we're going again in a couple weeks so i always preach trying new things on gumption i think it's really something that helps you grow as a person and while this wasn't necessarily a new thing for us per se Getting back into it was definitely a hurdle that we had to go over, and I'm really proud and excited about it. As kind of a final note on this topic, I would imagine that with hockey, everything is really team mentality focused. But I was also interested in hearing about how you mentioned the competitiveness and like To me, that kind of goes against each other because while you're all working as a team on the ice, the flip side of that is that everybody's competing for those same college spots or it just would be so hard to work as a team if you know in the back of your mind, like this person could end up being my competitor. And I felt the same way with dance. We had to be able to work as a unit where you almost take away your individuality to look uniform on stage or be in sync during a a routine or a performance or whatever. But then in an audition, you're expected to have your own style and your own skills and techniques. And it's hard to make that shift of like, oh, we're all working together. And then we're all working against each other to get noticed. I just find that to be a really interesting dichotomy. The reason that I fell so hard in love with hockey is because 
it is very well known in the hockey culture that it is a Wii sport. You go on an NHL channel and you hear them talking about how they just played in the game. Nine times out of ten, when they're referring to the game, they're saying we. They're saying R. It's not an I sport whatsoever. And if you are an I person on the team, you're more than often called out for it or very much mm-hmm. resented for it. A huge thing I took away from hockey is that you are as strong as your community. Everyone is trying to get somewhere, get to where they want to be. But on the day that you are in your community and you all need to work together in order to accomplish any goal that anyone has, and you need to support each other. Our best player on the team has to work with our worst player on the team when it comes to practice. You can't throw your best player out there and be like, oh, they're working with the worst player. Like, what a waste of time. It's more like, okay, let's understand how we can both grow from this experience. Maybe our best player is working on humility or understanding how that player works because you have to play a game with that person. Understanding how everyone works on the team and works together. While yes, we were all competing for college spots, I don't think that that was in anyone's mind so much of if she gets a spot, I'm not going to get a spot. It was more we're all just focusing on trying to get better continuously and navigating that as a team. That is just really a hockey culture thing. I don't see that a whole lot in other sports. A lot of other sports are more highly individually competitive. And so I think that that was just a huge reason why I fell in love with hockey is because it was so team oriented. Of course, when it comes to being a team and being so connected and being a we, it can get toxic sometimes. You know, in a relationship, when you start referring to each other as a we, it's like what happened to your individuality a little bit. But at the same time, I think the biggest thing that we're competing for is who had the better dance moves in the locker room. No, (laughs) No. it was more of a competition of who's working the hardest, who's putting the most time in. And that could get a little dangerous sometimes. If you're not putting the time into your team, everyone kind of looks at you like, what are you doing? That distinguishes that whole hustle culture situation too of you are trying your best, you're doing your best. And that sounds super soft. Like if I were to say that to anyone who plays hockey right now or in a locker room, they'd be like, you sound so soft. You need to get out of here. But that's just kind of the path that I I think is right. And I have grown into that I don't need to be this super hardo who is just constantly working and working and working at it. You know, like I want a good, better mental space for myself. And I think that was also really hard to distinguish. Self-work is just as important as teamwork. It's hard for people to externally recognize when you're doing work on yourself internally or just trying to get yourself to be approaching things from a a calmer perspective or the more well-rounded view. It doesn't always appear that way on the outside. So how do we, how do we all communicate that, that we're all trying our best and It's not a negative reflection on the people that we're supposed to be working together with, you know? I love that. Right. I think what I see that I feel like I embody a lot because of hockey and that I struggle with other people when it comes to team environments nowadays is that, you know, other people's success a lot of the time depends on you. If you don't show up for your team or you're not on time or you don't do your best when it comes to the presentation or you don't handle a client or a customer well like Mm -hmm. that affects the whole team that affects people's livelihoods that affects the way that other people's hard work is perceived someone may have just put in so many hours to make their presentation look good and practice it and then they pass it along to you and you're deciding to half-ass it and all of their hard work is down the drain and that is so unfair So when it comes to doing the team environment thing, I think that was also a huge thing that taught me was you need to show up fully for your team because other people are putting in a lot of hard work. And if you're not, then it's unfair. Even if you're doing your best and it quote unquote doesn't get the job done, people are aware enough to understand that you tried your best and people can see right through you. People can see right through you if they know that you didn't put that work in. That is so true. A final takeaway just from my dance experience is for the first 12 years of my dance career, I was at the same studio and our teacher, Mr. Keith was the studio owner, literally just such an amazing person and a great teacher and really could meet you where you are and work with anybody. He just had this knack and this talent for finding someone's strength, whether it was 
a specific technical thing, like you had really good feet or good turns or whatever, or a mental thing. Like he could recognize in me, for example, that I was not going to give up, even if I was not as flexible or not as advanced as some of the other dancers, I would give it my all. That's something that I will always take into other aspects of my life that you can be a leader by finding those strengths in other people and nourishing them. But also it just takes some stepping back and some willingness to see other people for who they are to recognize those things. If you're constantly trying to be the best and trying to share your perspective all the time, but then not taking the time to listen to others, then you're never going to be that person. So I always think about him and I think about how he just saw something in every single one of us. And now those are qualities that I am proud of and cherish in my professional life and in my personal life. And that's a really cool thing. I love a good mentor. Mentorship is so important. And a lot of people don't know that until they have it because it can just change the game for you no matter what field you're in or whatever. Tell me what you love about doing it, what you didn't expect about doing it. I want to know from another podcaster what your view on the whole podcast process is. I think that long story short if anyone goes to my podcast my podcast is more or less I got into podcasts like started listening to them in COVID time because I was doing 75 hard so I was going on a lot of walks and I found several podcasters that just like made a huge impact on my life due to the fact we were really shut out from all of our communities and our social events and you're only with your family and although I love my family I needed more substance, especially being at the time, like you're really reaching for other things, trying to soak in other people's opinions and learn more about life, one might say. And so podcasts were a great outlet for me. One thing someone taught me was that if you don't like the environment that you're in or you feel like you've outgrown your environment or if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to go to a different room. Podcast created this environment that I was able to decide what conversations I wanted to have with what people. I became really inspired and I always was like, oh, like it'd be cool to start one. But, you know, it was always just like in the back of my mind. And then something happened where I was just like, enough with the, I feel like I should do it, da, da, da. And I just woke up and I just went to Best Buy and bought a microphone and recorded I want to do this. And before getting the microphone, I spent two days just doing research on like, what is this? Like, how do I do this? And the number one thing I took from it was this is a marathon, not a sprint. And then every week you're like, oh my God, I need to put one out there. And then some weeks you're like, oh, I'm prepared. Like, this feels awesome. You're on top of the world. I mean, you're on top of the world either way when it comes to posting one, but (laughs) it's quite a bit of work because you're not just keeping on top of recording, but you're keeping on top of marketing, on finding guests, the little things like getting on Zoom with someone eight times out of 10, you're going to have technical problems. Right. So having that patience. Um my topic used to be the pursuit of 20 something but now it's more or less because I thought the wordplay on my name was really fun and I wanted to stray away from people thinking that you need to be in your 20s to listen to it this podcast is such a creative outlet and a look into your own mind that's more than just you producing information education or content that relates to people it's more like you are painting a picture or creating a sculpture type of vibe and I thought that that was such a cool process to be a part of and really ignites this creative spark in me that is really important for me to keep lit (laughs) so the subjects are definitely more along the lines of making people feel comfortable being their unique self and understanding that their path is their path and owning that. It's awesome to look up to other people and gain inspiration from them, but don't try to be other people. Fully understanding your power and yourself is going to get you to where you want to be at the end of the day. Oh, number one thing that I am so just so in awe about about podcasts is that it's a space that you can go to and have constructive awesome conversations with awesome people that want to be there and want to be sharing their stories or their inspirations and their education and I think that's an awesome thing about awesome 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 (laughs) about about podcasting I completely agree because it's just so rare 
at this stage in life, those constructive conversations are empowering, like you said, but they're also so helpful just to navigate what you want to be doing. I like listening to them. I like having the conversations and similarly started Gumption because I missed having those conversations and wanted to be continuing them. Rapid fire, what would your top three tips be to someone who has been saying they want to start a podcast, but for whatever reason, hasn't yet? Lovely. We'll go back and forth. I'll do one, you do one. Don't be afraid of your voice. Everyone is always like, I don't want to be on it or I don't want to start one because I don't like listening to myself. Let's not be ridiculous. Let's not be silly. Like <laughs> yeah. your voice is your voice is your voice. You go throughout your day. Everyone likes listening to you that you interact with. You need to get more comfortable with yourself and putting yourself. Okay, my next point will be that'll be my next point. Continue. You go. <laughs> no, I I that was gonna be the first one I said because literally everyone is like, ah, I hate the sound of my own voice. I do think there is this mysterious thing that happens when we record our own voices that makes them sound weird to us. I don't understand why, but you're so right. Every single day you go through your life and you don't not speak because you're worried about the sound of your voice. But like when you're hearing a recording, it's, it's just different. But my first tip is do your research, but don't let the research impede you from actually doing it. Because that was a big hurdle for me at first. When I started to learn about all the stuff that goes into the process, I was like, oh shit, I am not prepared for this. I don't know how I'm <laughs> going to keep up with this. And yeah. at a certain point, I just had to be like, okay, I think it's all right if I use a clip of a song. I'm not going to get sued for copyright with one listener of my podcast. I'm just going to try to get going and get my feet wet and research along the way. Yeah, for anyone who relates to that or is like, well, I want to hear more about what Lily just said, go to the first episode of my podcast ever. It's called Just Start. And it's really just all about <laughs> like that. So that leads me into my second rapid fire point is take the risk, take risks. Speaking about quote unquote heavy topics online, it can feel really uncomfortable, get uncomfortable. That's another thing that I push in my podcast a lot. This is a time in our lives to always, just always get uncomfortable. If you're comfortable, then you're stagnant and you're not evolving. Especially with Instagram being a little bit shallow nowadays, I hate to say it. Like we all try not to, but... Um, it's really just a little highlight reel and you're not sharing a lot of deep conversation or deep feelings on there so it does feel uncomfortable putting some things that you wish the internet didn't know about you or subjects that you think that people are like she doesn't have the right to be talking about those sort of things so that was a huge scary point for me maybe people aren't going to be interested in what I have to say or think I'm not quote-unquote qualified to be saying what I need to say as long as it's not like any PhD stuff, get uncomfortable right. with it and put yourself out there. It's going to be really freeing and builds a lot of character. Completely agree. My second point is that self-promotion for your podcast has to be authentic. It's possible to start a podcast and just not promote it at all and that some people might find you. But as we all know how algorithms work, if you want anyone to listen to it besides the people you send it to, you have to put it out there maybe on social media. I find that doing so in a way that's authentic to you is really important because if you get lost in the rat race of, oh, I need to do these hashtags or whatever just to get it to the most people possible, it's not going to reach your target audience and it's also not going to feel right to you and it won't sit right if you're not thinking what would I want to hear like who am I trying to market this to you have to be a little more specific and authentic in your approach love feel prepared when you're interviewing a guest always go into it 20 or 30 minutes early nothing is worse than a guest being like where's the zoom link or having major technical difficulties right before an episode because it kind of just like throws you off a bit makes you a little stress and it just doesn't look good for the guests it makes them feel a little uncomfortable especially when it comes to producing the episode you don't want to produce a low quality video not only for your audience but for respect of your guests like what's your comfort level like what are things that you want to talk about what are things that you don't want to talk about do you want me to tell you questions before so you understand what you want to talk about or do you want us to go in it free-flowing 10 times out of 10 you get into the episode with the guests and like even if you give them the pre-questions 
normally there's such a good flow of conversation that those questions kind of go out the door and you guys take a different direction of things. So feeling prepared for an episode is really important. Have respect for your guests. It depends on your podcast style because I know there is a lot of True. podcasts that are just like silly, goofy ones where it's like, oh, like I'll see you at 3 p.m. and we'll like talk about whatever we want to talk about. Very but true. that's another tip is just like understanding your podcast style. So yeah, I like that. My last one will be let technology help you, especially if you're like me and you're a one woman show doing the interviews, the editing, the posting, all of the stuff. There are so many apps and softwares that exist that are supposed to make it easier for you. And everyone finds the ones that they like, but you don't have to be editing the little squiggly audio file. You can put it into a transcription service and then take paragraphs out that you don't. Just depends on your work style and just make it work for you. It doesn't have to be so hard. I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on Gumption because your story is very inspiring and it's cool to see people able to reflect on their past and how they've applied that into their current life and are thriving. I love that. And I'm just grateful for such a nice conversation. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for starting my morning this way. About to have ourselves a day. I know our podcasts have deserved a collaboration for a while now. So yes, everyone, Lily will be on my podcast coming up here soon. Listen Yay. in at more or less sooner or later for Lily's. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, there you have it, my friends. That was episode 27 of Gumption. In our sophomore season, I have just been having so much fun doing these episodes. So thank you if you're here and you listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In other news, for the first time ever, I myself was a guest on someone else's podcast. So I got to take off my hosting and interviewing hat to be interviewed myself. So check out Maura's podcast, More or Less. She's also in her second season and... I'm just so excited for you guys to hear a little bit more from me from like a little more of a vulnerable state talking about a recent really bold decision that I made pursuing some of my lifelong dreams and just some like career and creative advice for those of you out there in your early 20s who may feel like you're a little bit lost in that regard. I'm right there with you and I share all my wisdom and failures and excitements about life right now. So very, very excited for you guys to hear more from me and keep following our Instagram for updates on where you can listen to more or less, specifically the episode that I'm going to be featured in. Yay! If you're listening on Spotify, let us know what you thought of the episode by using the interact feature where you can leave a comment and stay tuned for our almost Valentine's Day episode, which will be coming out on February 5th, so two weeks from now, because I'm going to let the audience choose some of our topics and determine what we're going to cover. So similar to the Mamma Mia episode, you guys really helped me figure out what exactly you wanted to hear, and I think it turned out so great. So we're going to do that again, and it's going to be awesome. Love you guys. Bye.